0: Hey, welcome to Knowles 24-7's On the Bench Podcast. This is Brendan Sinone. I got Josh Newberg with me, and I'm going to throw this to Josh real quick uh, because he's got a really cool episode and and something that he kind of masterminded here, and I'm going to throw it to him and let him, let him talk about his baby here. Yeah, I wanted to do something this summer, maybe into the fall as well, but just interview somebody once a week, maybe a couple guests a week, and sit down with them one-on-one, long-form style, and um, talk to them. This week, I started off with uh, somebody I think you guys will enjoy. He's been in football for over 50 years. We have Wally Burnham. Um, he coached at Florida State for nine years. He was a part of the 1993 National Championship team. I got to know Wally Burnham back in 2005 uh, when he was hooked up with Jim Levitt at USF, calling the defense there. But he coached some greats at Florida State. So I, I think you guys are going to enjoy this. Uh, up next, we got Wally Burnham. Welcome Wally Burnham to the show. He spent nine seasons at Florida State from 1985 to 1993 coaching linebackers, uh, was also a part of the 1993 national championship team, and coached a few names you might know, such as Derek Brooks, Marvin Jones, Paul McGowan, Jesse Solomon, Sam Cowart, <laughs> there's many more. Uh, Wally, how are you doing? All right, doing great, Josh, doing great i um, glad to have you want to sit down and talk to you. Um, bring me back to, to 1985. FSU was still building um, and you joined the staff. How did Bobby convince you to come coach at Florida State? How'd that go down?
1: Well, I had always uh, stayed in touch with Coach Bowden through the years. I always knew I wanted to coach for, uh, for him on his staff. And uh, it just so happened that uh, I was in the USFL out in Arizona at the time. And uh, so Gene McDowell got the Central Florida job. And uh, he called me up, and uh, I'd always gone by during the spring and watched some practice, and Mm we were on vacation in Florida, go by and see Coach Bowden. And uh, he called me, and uh, New Year's Eve, I believe they were playing in the old Citrus Bowl in Orlando, playing Georgia the next day. And he says, "Wally, I'm probably gonna have a job open tomorrow. Are you interested?" I said, "Sure, I am, coach." He said, I, "You know, I've always wanted to coach for you." So anyway, uh, he said, "Well, do you need really need to come down here for an interview." I said, "No, sir, I certainly don't." <laughs> I said, "I'll take the job right here and now." And uh, so anyway, make, long story short, uh, I ended up. I uh, had to wait. I think back in those days. They had to advertise job 15, 20 days, whatever it was. And, uh, so sometime first of February, last of January, I was in Tallahassee and, uh, very, very happy man.
0: Why were you so happy? What was it about Florida state at the time that was so attractive to you?
1: Well, you know, I, first of all, it was all about coach Bowden. Okay. Uh, I had great, great respect for him. I'd gotten to know him over the years and, uh, you know, when I left Alabama after my sophomore year uh, and uh, Coach Bowden recruited me to come to Sanford, mm-hmm. so I laid out of football in 1963, and uh, so I went to Sanford. Well, when I got to Sanford, he was gone. He <laughs> had left and gone to Florida State as a wide receivers coach, And uh, but he was the number one thing. And of course, uh, number two, being in the state of Florida, you know, hearing the stories and seeing Miami and seeing Florida have so much success and coach Bowden, I think in 80 and 81 had, uh, two great teams. Right. You know, and, uh, so I remember, and, uh, so I just kind of thought, well, this is the time plus the other thing was Mickey being there. Mickey and I had gotten to be good friends in my short stay at Alabama and, uh, so I had a connection there and, uh, my wife, Barbara and Diane, uh, Mickey's wife were very close friends. And, uh, so it just kind of worked out, you know, It I kind of fell in my lap.
0: Yeah. You had, uh, I mean, you've just had quite the amazing life you played for bear. We're going to get to this. I want to talk more FSU, but you actually played for bear Bryant in 60 and 61 uh, you coach with Bobby Bowden. You won a national championship. You go on to South Carolina and coordinate a defense in the SEC. You go on to USF and do some incredible things with Jim Levitt. Um, but when you were when you arrived at FSU, uh, like I said, you guys were definitely in the building phase. What was Bobby Bowden's um, kind of his mantra? What was, How did he want you guys to recruit back then? What was his message to the coaching staff? Okay, back in those days, uh, we all had an area of Florida, mm-hmm. and
1: we had an outside area. But the thing that Bo- Coach Bowden wanted you to do was make sure that you covered your area. Uh, you know, and uh, I had the Polk County, Central Florida area okay. starting in 1985. Uh, Coach Harbison had that, and he was retiring, so I took over that spot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but we had to be thorough, we had to go, it was old, old time school. You went through the front door, you went in inside, introduced yourself to the principal, the guidance counselors. You got, you know, the grades, you gathered information. And, uh, but he wanted a thorough investigation of the kids, character wise <laughs> and, and uh, all those kind of things. That everybody's always talked about, but, uh, very, you know, I don't know how many people really did it, but we had to give a report back to Coach Bowden, and uh, he he said, don't ever tell me you've been to a school and you haven't visited that school. He said, we're going to visit every school in the state of Florida during the spring. And so we got on our in our cars, and we started going, you know, recruiting
0: mm-hmm. and building
1: relationships. He was all about relationships, you know, and uh, he didn't uh, get the the uh alumni and the boosters too involved and uh so you were kind of out there you know working your way through these things but he was uh he wanted you to be honest with the kids the coaches and uh but not be selfish in your recruiting if if you had a a person that at a certain position you brought in and you thought he was a good player? Okay, we're going to sit down and we're going to compare him to the other guys we got that position. That's how he built his roster. And uh, so I remember <laughs> I lost a great player uh, from Haines City. I uh, can't remember the kid's name right off, but he went to Auburn and my All-American played in the NFL for 1,500 years. But back in those days, we didn't have cell phones. So mm-hmm. I, I went to Haines City High School and got the information, and things like that. Uh, all of a sudden he's not going to come to Florida State. He's going to go to Auburn. <laughs> so I'm trying – I had to stop at a roadside telephone and, and uh, you know, put my quarters in yeah, and yeah. Call, back, call back to Coach Bowden. But anyway, we were thorough that way, and uh, we did nothing as coaches. We didn't go out and promise uh, scholarships uh, to anybody that wasn't approved by him and the other position coaches and the coordinators
0: and so forth and so on. So it was very thorough. Yeah. Did you ever find it tough to balance? I mean, you as a linebacker coach, you literally coach like the most brutal position out there. You want savages. You want these guys that are going to go and break necks. But, you know, Bobby Bowden also wants great kids. So how did you as a recruiter, how did you find those guys? And you found a lot of them.
1: Well, you know, you, first of all, you, you, you trust the coaches on your staff that are recruiting. Mm-hmm. Then you go give follow up to the, those guys and you go into the schools and you go into the homes and you draw your own opinion. And then you gonna you, you know, there's always rumors out there. There's always things going on. And, uh, uh, you hear this and hear that and you have to go check it out. And, uh, and I depended a lot on the high school coaches, you know, being being honest with me, being honest with our football program, uh, making sure. Uh, uh, I don't think, you know, and I've had to really jog my mind, memory a lot here, but I don't think we ever took a kid with character flaws that really turned out bad. Right. Some of them weren't players. Mm -hmm. But uh, They weren't bad people. And uh, so I don't remember any of that going on at my position or not very many positions.
0: Of the greats like Sam Cowart and Marvin Jones and Derek Brooks, which was the toughest recruiting battle you faced to land those guys?
1: Oh, goodness. You know, they were all hard.
0: (laughs) Really? None of them were just like under the radar guys. They were all just everybody was recruiting all those guys. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, the names you're naming, you yeah. know, and uh, uh, they uh, I know it between, you know, with Derek, it was us in Florida, you know, uh, uh, you know, Marvin was uh,
0: pretty. Yeah, solid. Tell me about Marvin's you recruitment. Know. Yeah, I'm interested in that one.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, Chuck was the leading uh, recruiter on him and Chuck had recruited Miami area for a long time, had great relationships With those head coaches and assistant coaches, and had built him a little, you know, uh, uh, line of communication. I'll say, uh, with all those people, and uh, so, plus we had his older brother Mm -hmm. at at Florida State, and uh, that didn't that didn't hurt. But we always sweated it. But he always told us, and I think he was always honest with us coach i'm going through this process but i am coming to florida state don't worry i'm coming to florida state and after a while he convinces that he's coming to florida state which of course he did and uh but it was uh i think Derek was a little bit more uh uh nervous type situation Uh, sam was kind of that same way you know uh sam was kind of back and forth and uh Sam court we're talking about. And, uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, and, uh, Paul McGowan was there when I got there, but I okay. think Paul was what I understand, uh, was a seminal through and through from the day they started recruiting, you know,
0: and, uh, yeah. uh, you know, and <laughs> sometimes <laughs> guys uh, are like that. Not all the time though.
1: Not, not much anymore. You know, right. it's too much. in my opinion, there's too much hype and, uh, too much star ratings and uh, too much. uh, I got my 14th offer, you know, kind of deals going on out there. And and I know it's social media. I know that. And uh, it's a different time than when I first started recruiting back in the 70s. Yeah. Take me back to
0: 1993. You were waking up every day and going to work to, to, to coach this group of linebackers that I'm about to read. Ken Alexander, Derek Brooks, Todd Riebel, Sam Cower, and Henry Crockett. That was in your linebacker room. Back then in 1993, did you did you wake up every day and realize how special that unit was, or were you just so close to it that it took time away to, to kind of appreciate it?
1: No, uh, I appreciated it every day, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, – uh, we had a great time in that room. Uh, those kids were so dedicated to the purpose of the program. To uh, You know, those kids used and they were all great students. You know, I didn't have to worry about grades and tests and this kind of thing and that kind of thing. It was when they walked into that room, that building, it was they were there for a single purpose.
0: Mm-hmm. And all
1: of them, every one of them wanted to get better every day. So I had an easy job. If I didn't screw them up real bad, <laughs> I, I, I could we could make some plays, you know and uh, so uh, it was a, it was a joy, and I never, you know, and I look back on it, and even further back with Fred Jones and the mm-hmm. uh, McGowans and people like that, I, I always had a good room. I always had a good room. I had leaders. I had good character kids. I had good students. And, uh, in the academic world. And so, uh, I was very fortunate to be there
0: when I was. Yeah. At what point did you know that the, that it was a national championship team in 93? At what point was it before the season? Was it after a certain game? Like, when did you just know?
1: I thought we were going to win in 92 and 93. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really thought 92, we would win the entire thing. And, uh, so leaving 92, going into the spring of 93 and so forth and going into the fall. Uh, I knew that this ca- this team was capable of doing it. You know, there was never, we had too many dedicated guys that were loyal to each other that helped each other that sometimes I don't see in football teams now. I mean, they were demanding on each other, uh, You know, we didn't have to talk about effort. We didn't have to talk about Lowe's. We didn't have to talk about uh, getting ready to play a football game because our kids, entire offense, defense, special teams, they all had responsibilities. They took very serious, and it made everybody's job a heck of a lot
0: easier. Yeah. Um, And then after 93, you left. And a lot of people did Derek Brooks left early. I mean, you left. you know, that team was very different, uh, from 93 to 94. What played into your decision to leave? I mean, I know, you, you know, you got a job promotion, in South Carolina and all that, but you'd been with Bobby Bowden for a while. How tough was it to leave and what, you know, what played into your decision?
1: Okay. Uh, it was very tough, uh, hardest decision I ever made in coaching. Uh, really? but I was getting, I was getting along in age okay i wanted to be a coordinator mm-hmm. uh, at a power five type as we call them today power five type school uh shane my youngest son had just graduated from lincoln high school and uh i knew that Nikki was going to be there forever which i don't blame him i'm proud for him staying mm-hmm. on but uh I knew if I was ever, you know, and I thought, okay, in the back of my mind, we go to South Carolina, it was four or five years, we win enough football games, maybe I can get me a little head job somewhere. Because I knew time was running out to eight wise and that was the biggest factor. That was I was trying to improve my position as far as uh, being a coordinator, maybe having a chance outside chance to go to App State or whoever, you know, and be yeah. a head coach for a few years.
0: Um, I know your son, Shane, you know, that's how me and Wally, I've known you for 12, 13 years now, dating back to your time at USF. Um, but Shane has actually told me the story of you coming in to the room to tell the family, uh, that you guys were heading to South Carolina. And that was kind of Shane's introduction to coaching and, you know, the, the, the way that you can switch gears on the drop of a dime and all of a sudden be living life in another city. Um, and Shane ended up getting into coaching. You guys link up at Iowa state later down the road and end up coaching together for seven years. Did you ever think that that would be a possibility?
1: No, I didn't because I had tried to make it work at South Florida. Uh, (laughs) We've had a couple of jobs open on defense and, uh, I never could convince uh, Jim Levitt, who's a real good friend of mine, that uh, that was the right hire. And I knew all along it was. You know, as a coach uh, or at any profession, you're you watching somebody in your own profession, and you know, hey, this guy's got a little something to him, maybe a little extra. And so I recognized that in Shane because he helped me in the summer, at South Carolina, in the in the in the summer camps, coaching other high school kids, and he was great at it back in those days, and uh, so uh, I knew that he had a future if that's what he wanted, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, uh, because he un- some kids understand, or some people understand football, some people understand X's and O's. And I think there's a big lot of difference. And I think Shane, uh, fortunately, understands the game and the x O's part of it.
0: Yeah, and I met Shane, and Shane's, you know, come from, I met him when he was coaching at Elon. He went on from there right. to Iowa State to Rutgers, and he's currently at UCF, where they're having a lot of success. But when, you, when he joined on with you at Iowa State, I think that was in 2010, um, how did you see him grow as a coach? What was the, where did you see him grow over those seven years?
1: But, you know, his, when he came in, he, he, he kept saying, can I, you think I can do this job? Do you think? I said, sure. I never <laughs> would have gotten you hired here, you know, or he recommended that you get hired. Uh, but he came in maybe as a little bit, uh, not very comfortable. And, uh, by the time he left there, he was very aggressive as far as, uh, Knowing what he wanted to do, how to do it, uh, he was very comfortable uh, with the with the uh, players. And you know, I think one thing that really made Shane step out a little bit quicker was Paul Rhodes, who was the head coach, gave mm-hmm. him the responsibility of special teams. So that was a whole new era that he had to stand up and lead. So I saw him grow in that leadership of standing in, up in front of the kickoff team or every team, every special team, and, and lead those people and those those guys. And he did a great job with that part of it too. Uh, plus, uh, you know, he's, a, I think, one of the best young recruiters out there. And right. he's a dog on the trail. You know, he really, he really uh, does a good job and a thorough job. And I saw him grow in that area because he signed probably our best football players that we had uh, at Iowa State uh, the time we were there. And plus, there's a couple of them left over that
0: uh, uh, you know they were winning with the last couple of years. No, nah, he really did. I mean, when you look back at that the draft class, even I was watching the the NFL draft and Jeremiah George, who he took out of uh, Clearwater High School. Was in the same recruiting class as guys like James Wilder and Aaron Murray, who um, went in like the fifth and seventh round of the NFL draft. And Jeremiah George out of Iowa State goes in the third round. And I was just like, you know, it, it was incredible that all that talk about James Wilder and Aaron Murray and here's Shane taking the six foot linebacker out of Clearwater. Nobody's recruiting and turn him into a third round draft pick.
1: That's right. That's exactly right. And uh, you know, he did it with a couple other guys out and you know, he got the number one recruit in the state of Iowa and Alan Lazard, mm-hmm. the wide receiver. You know, he got him, he got the uh uh the quarterback out of Ankeny that uh uh she can't remember his name, it was terrible, but uh, you know, ended up it was quarterback. They moved into linebackers last year there when Campbell was there. And he was drafted by the, uh, you know, the Cowboys. So he has been able to do those kind of things, which there's uh, an art to that too.
0: Yeah, recruiting is certainly an art. Um, who was who was the flat-out baddest dude that you coached at Florida State? The
1: baddest dude. Uh, you coached well, a lot of them,
0: but who was the baddest? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: I tell you, you know, I don't know how to answer that really, but this way, you know, you had the, you had the Derrick Brooks who was just outstanding, you know, just as good as you could get Mm -hmm. on the football field. And of course, off of it. And you had Marvin Jones, Marvin as an inside linebacker could do more things on the football field than anybody I'd ever seen before or since Marvin Jones played football. And Derek was basically the same way as an outside linebacker. And uh, so those two guys just completely, you know, I just watched the film or watched the game and be amazed at times, you know, just amazed at what they did. They They didn't do everything technically right, but they made great plays you know, so I didn't get too much upset on Sunday or Monday when we were watching that tape. And, and one of them would say, well, coach, this is why I saw the ball over here. So I went and made the tackle, you know? And, uh, but, uh, those guys were just, uh, Sam Coward was, you know, uh, just, uh, a, a beast out there. I mean, you know, he loved it, you know, and, uh, but as far as the toughest, I mean, god dang, they were all tough. I mean, really. <laughs> I, I never had a problem. I never had a problem with tough.
0: I believe you. I believe you. Um, was there a guy that maybe you got on campus and you're like, Man, I don't know if I'm ever gonna get through to him, and then he and then something just came on, the light turned on. You remember that transition? He he turned out to be a great player.
1: Well, you know, uh Sam Cowher's a little bit like that at first, really? you know? Uh, yeah. Uh, Todd Reball was that way. Now, Todd, you know, we go back, and they go back up here a minute. Uh, Todd Reball might have been as tough as anybody in Paul McGowan. You know, those two guys were tough as nails, as the old saying goes. You know, I'll never forget in 1985, we're playing Nebraska out in Nebraska, and I'm working the press box at this time, and uh, they run, I think it was Tim Rathman. They're a big running back, fullback type guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a trap play, and of course, uh, Paul's playing middle linebacker, and he reads the trap and meets that guy, and you could hear the pop all the way <laughs> in the stands, you know, and then the press box. But, uh, you know, those two guys kind of make me go back and say, yeah, those are really, really tough guys in a different way than Marvin and, and Derek were, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, um, oh and that, that's an incredible memory. You, 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 remember the exact play and the, and you can still hear the pop in the, uh, in the hole. I love that. um, You before we uh, we start taping this, we we spoke a little bit and you had gone to a FSU spring practice early in the spring with Mickey Andrews. Uh, I I can just imagine you and Mickey watching this, walking the sideline, just saying, just kind of laughing at at what you see of football these days and and just the difference in practice. Um, What was it like being out there with Mickey on the practice fields?
1: Well, it was, a, it was a lot of fun, but uh, you're right. We did uh, make a lot of comments about <laughs> about the practice <laughs> and uh, and uh, which are true. And it's changed so much. And uh, uh, but yeah, there's some things that uh, and I've been to other practices since I've retired yeah, and uh, watched other college teams. It's, it's kind of it's- amazing, you know you got the music going, you got the guys jiving, you know, you got this and that going on, and uh, uh, you don't see as much hitting, you don't right. see as much, you know, uh, 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 goal line scrimmaging, and you don't see as many uh, three-on-threes. And uh, I understand that, uh, you know, Florida State does a good bit of that. I think it's called it Seminole Drill or something.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, no, yeah, no drill. it was
1: fun, you know, and, uh, uh, but it was completely
0: different. Uh, Than what we had been through uh, the nine years I was there, with, <laughs> no doubt about it. If you could bring back one of Mickey Andrews' old drills and put it apply it to this football team, what would it be?
1: Oh, I, I think uh, probably uh, I know they do the three on three, but mm-hmm. uh, I think you know we got a lot out of simple things like the pursuit drill. You know, and just lining up and teaching correct pursuit angles. But yeah. at the same time, they were busting their butts. You know, they had a place to get to and, they had, <laughs> and uh, things like that, you know. But the thing that always stood out to me with Coach Bowden and Mickey and myself and Jim and and, and uh, Chuck was, you know, we always, every week, we scrimmage goal line. Really, it was always it was always third and two, fourth and one. We didn't put it on the four yard line, say it's first down. We gave them (laughs) tough situations. We gave us advantage on third and two from the three, and we gave the offense advantage on fourth and one from the one. And we had some great, great practices. Uh, I'll never forget when Marvin Jones was a freshman and we had goal line scrimmage and I threw him in there and, uh, they had big William Floyd. who was might've been the toughest guy we ever had there. Yeah. Uh, but he, he ran the ball. They ran what the old, uh, fullback, uh, fullback barely play uh the i backed and, and uh, old Marvin met him right in the square in the hole, and I said, I think I got us a football player here, you know? <laughs> um, that's when you find out about people, you know? Uh, I right. in those tough situations, and and I see it a lot of places where they don't do that anymore. You know, they, not necessarily goal line, but they don't, it's all, they're all always throwing the ball, they're always playing seven-on-seven, seven, they're tagging, out, and I know the rules have changed, and you can't tackle and you can't scrimmage, so many times a right. spring, like three scrimmages. Hell, we used to scrimmage twice a week, and the rest of the week was just like a scrimmage. I mean, you know, it was. <laughs> it, 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 we, and that's what our kids wanted, you know, and uh, so, but uh, it's changed a lot. You know, it'd be hard for me right now. It's a good thing I'm
0: too old. it's a good thing yeah i mean how yeah you're right i think all great things are formed under pressure you know and like you guys were doing it every day day in and day out i i I do think it's hard um for a team like fsu that kind of lacks a little physicality in the last couple years to all of a sudden think that they're going to turn it around you know how how do you do that in this day and age
1: well you know you can go back and uh do a, a study uh, on defenses that have played uh, against these offenses. For example, when I was in the Big 12 at Iowa State, you know, yeah. everybody, nobody lined up and said, We're going to bloody your nose, you know. Right. And uh, so uh, you, it hurts your defense and, and it hurts your defense mentality and toughness because. Offenses are three and out or they're scoring real fast. So you don't have a time. You know, you, you just don't have those opportunities. And, and uh, But I think, Josh, from what I can see, uh, I know that uh, if Florida State does some of the things that uh, Baylor did when uh, they were out there, mm-hmm. they will be tougher. Because of what uh, Art and, and uh, uh, his well, I can't remember his son. Never met him. Uh, Kendall. And Kendall. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I know they that offensive line coach. Same guy was at uh, at uh, Baylor for them, and they were tough as nails. Now let me tell you, they were tough. They would come off the football. They ran the ball as much as uh, they just about as much as they threw it. But uh, anyway. Uh, that's how you build toughness now with all this uh, spread offense is you got to have some kind of running game and you've got to, you know, H-back type guys are pulling guards and blocking, you know, getting mm-hmm. angle blocks to those big old guys. And there's a way. You just got to be willing to do it, you know, and spend time doing it. And uh, I think Kendall will do that for him if, if, when he can and when he feels like he's got the personnel.
0: Yeah, um, you, you had to guard that, that Bryle's offense. Um, what were some of the signatures of that? Like you said, they do run the ball a lot, but what were some of the signatures? What, what made it so tough to guard against?
1: Well, first of all, uh, they're going to spread you out of all the field. You know, they might have two guys, uh, standing stacked on two yards from the side, side on one side and two yards on the other side. So that's four guys. So you got to put four out there somewhere, right? (laughs) And, uh, so now, how they how do you play the rest of those guys? Uh, so they it's a numbers game
0: mm-hmm. offensively
1: for them and defensively. But uh, you know he's going to put in the quarterback power. He's going to put in the tailback power. Uh, they're going to pull guards up on your linebackers and uh, they're going to block down. Pull guards up on your safeties and h backs up on your safeties and nickels and uh, he will make it tough and that's the way they do it but uh the way they do it they they spread you out and, and then they're gonna make your your players play one-on-one against their players in most cases and if they got better players they're gonna win most of those <laughs> you know yeah uh, but they several ways he'll go about instilling some toughness like they did at baylor
0: wally man thanks for uh Thanks for joining us. I'm really glad we could sit down and uh, talk. I knew you had a, a lot of great stories. Um, do you think there's any chance we could get you and uh, you and Coach at a game this week this year? You and Mickey. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. We'd love to. We'd love to do that. <laughs>
0: All right, man. Well, Wally, thanks a lot. You've been great. Appreciate your time. All right, Josh. Have a great day. You as well. Bye. Passion, drive, and patience. Now get 0% APR or up to $1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. All right, guys. Appreciate you listening to this show. If you could, just take out your phones real quick and subscribe and like our podcast. Give us five stars on iTunes, please. We're going to keep the content coming, so we appreciate the support.